Good morning. Um, yes, I'm reading from 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting at verse 11 and going to verse 16. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed, and the only Sovereign, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honour and eternal dominion. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. Um, I've never been here to High Wycombe before, uh, so it's a wonderful privilege to be with you this morning and to open up God's Word together. Uh, as Owen mentioned, I'm one of the pastors at All Nations uh, Wesley Prezi Church. If you don't know where that is, we're in the city. So if you know the WA Museum that they just spent a few years renovating, we're right across the street uh, from the WA Museum. So if you're ever in, in the city on a Sunday, uh, we'd love to have you come and visit us. Uh, please do keep your Bibles open to 1 Timothy chapter 6, as we'll be hearing from this passage together. But first, let's pray and ask for God's blessing on our time. Heavenly Father, you tell us that your word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, penetrating even to the division of joints and marrow exposing the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. So gracious Father, we simply pray that we might find it so among us this morning by the power of your spirit, for the honor of your name. So we ask it through Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. Well, I'm not a big fan of horse racing. I don't know if any of you really like horse racing. Uh, I'm not a big fan, but every once in a while, I do watch a big race. Every once in a while, I'll watch one of those big races like the Melbourne Cup. And what's really interesting to me is to see the riders' goggles after a big race. Have you ever seen the riders' goggles after a big horse race? Usually, they're completely covered with mud. Because the horses race around and around the track and they kick up all kinds of dirt and grass and mud and by the end of the race the goggles are just covered. I don't even know how they can see out of them. Or if you don't really like horse racing, maybe you can just think about normal eyeglasses. I have a confession to make. I'm really bad at cleaning my glasses. So every once in a while, my wife will pick up my glasses and she'll look at them and she'll say, Tim, can you even see out of these anymore? That They have so many spots and stains on them. How can you even see out of them? 
Well, one of my friends once said that the Christian life is a little bit like the horse, uh, a horse race. The Christian life is a little bit like wearing spiritual glasses because we go through our Christian life Monday to Saturday and we get covered with all kinds of dirt and mud and muck from this world. We go through our Christian life and our spiritual glasses get all kinds of spots and stains all over them. We go through our life and the mud of suffering, the mud of sin, the mud of temptation, the mud of health challenges and relationship breakdowns gets flung into our eyes. And sometimes we can barely see. So what we really need is someone to just come along and wipe a little bit of the mud from our eyes. What we really need is for someone to pick up our spiritual glasses and wipe off a few of the spots and the stains so that we can see clearly to keep going in the Christian life. And friends, that's what Paul does in 1 Timothy chapter 6 today. As Paul draws this letter to Timothy to a close, Paul picks up our spiritual glasses and he wipes some of the dirt away so that you and I can keep going in the spiritual fight. In fact, the message of our passage, the message that will wipe a little mud from our eyes this morning is simply this. Christians flee and fight. In the presence of God, who alone deserves our praise. Christians flee and fight in the presence of God, who alone deserves our praise. Let's hear that message in three main points today. First, a reminder of our Christian calling. As Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are called to flee and to fight to flee and to fight, verses 11 and 12. If you have your Bibles open, look back at verse 11. Paul says to Timothy, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. And the these things in verse 11 are the things that Paul has just talked about immediately before this. If you have your Bibles open, you can just glance at verses 2 to 10. Uh, Because in verses 2 to 10, Paul is especially warning Timothy about the sickness of false teaching. Paul is warning Timothy uh, about the sin of greed. In verse 10, Paul tells Timothy to beware of the evil love of money. So here in verse 11, when Paul says, flee these things, he's telling Timothy, flee from false teaching, flee from greed, flee from anything that would distract you in your Christian life. Paul's command in verse 11, it might make us think about Joseph in Potiphar's house. Do any of you remember the story of Joseph in Potiphar's house? In in case you've forgotten, Joseph was serving faithfully in Potiphar's house. And then one day, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. She tried to get Joseph to jump into bed with her. And if you know the story, do you remember what Joseph did? Did Joseph stand around and have a long debate with her about the right thing to do? Did Joseph stand around to see how things would unfold? Did Joseph say, I'm strong enough just to play with this temptation a little bit longer? Is that what Joseph did? 
No, Joseph left his coat in her hands, and he fled. Joseph left his coat in her house, and he ran away from sin as fast as he possibly can. And here in verse 11, that's what Paul is telling us to do. The first thing Paul tells us to help us keep going in the Christian life, the first thing Paul tells us to wipe some mud from our eyes is Christian believer in Jesus Christ, flee, flee from the sins of this world. In the race that is the Christian life, flee from anything that would turn your focus away from Jesus Christ, our Savior. And friends, let's be really honest. Sometimes the reason you and I struggle in the Christian life is simply because we do not flee from sin. Instead of running away from sexual immorality, we willingly watch movies that have all kinds of suggestive images in them. Instead of running away from greed, we spend hours and hours and hours doing online shopping. Instead of running away from bitterness and envy and resentment, we willingly rehearse the ways that other people have wronged us. We replay the tape of those insulting things they said over and over and over again in our minds. Instead of running away from sin, we play with it. Instead of fleeing from sin as fast as we possibly can, we try to dance right on the cliff's edge without falling off. But here in verse 11, Paul wipes some dirt from our eyes. Here in verse 11, Paul says, don't play with sin, flee from it. Believer in Jesus Christ, believer bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, flee. Flee from these sins. John Bunyan uh, gives us a memorable picture of this in his famous book, Pilgrim's Progress. Have any of you read Pilgrim's Progress or seen the animated movie or, or maybe one of those children's books? In case you've forgotten, the main character is a man named Christian. And early in the story, Christian is just starting out on his Christian life. But his unbelieving family and friends try to hold him back. His unbelieving uh, family and friends try to shout all kinds of temptations in his ears. They try to tell him just to forget about Christianity, just to return to the stuff of this world. And if you've read the book, do you remember what Christian does? Christian puts his hands in his ears and he runs. He puts his hands in his ears so that he cannot hear the temptations of this world. And he runs, he flees from the city of destruction as fast as he possibly can. And friends, sometimes that's what you and I need to do. Because the world around us is shouting all kinds of temptations in our ears. The world around us is constantly telling us just to give up on the Christian life. The world is splattering the mud of greed, the mud of lust, the mud of pride, the mud of self-righteousness in our eyes. And sometimes like Joseph, sometimes like Christian, what we really need to do is put our hands in our ears and flee. 
we need to flee from these things and we need to flee into the arms of Jesus Christ, our Savior. The first thing Paul tells us to wipe the mud from our eyes is he tells us to flee. But then he tells us to fight, to fight. It's often been said uh, humans have a fight or flight instinct. When we're faced with danger, most of us either flee or we fight. When we come to a dangerous situation, we either turn around and we run away or we stand our ground and we fight. And in the first half of verse 11, Paul says we need to flee. We need to flee from our sins. But then in the second half of verse 11 and into verse 12, Paul says we also need to fight. Look at your Bibles again. Verse 11, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. That's the flight. But then here's the fight. Keep reading and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Verse 12, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, don't just flee from sin, fight the good fight of the faith. But what does that actually mean? What what does it actually mean to fight the good fight? Well, as Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, this is a spiritual fight. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So just to be really clear, just so no one uh, misunderstands me, to fight the good fight does not mean we pull out our our, uh, baseball bats and we go and we physically fight against our neighbors. It does not mean that we take our Bibles and we march out into the streets of High Wycombe and we literally hit people over the head with God's word. Please don't do that uh, later today. That's not the fight that Paul has in mind. No, this is a fight against our own sins, and it is a fight for our godliness. That's what verse 11 says. Flee from these things and pursue what? Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Flee from sin and fight for holiness. And really, if we want to keep going in the spiritual life, we need both halves of verse 11. If we want to make progress in our Christian lives, we need both to flee and to fight. Maybe you can think about it uh, like going on a diet. Because if you really want to lose weight, you don't just stop eating certain food, you also start exercising. If you really want to lose weight, you don't just flee from junk food, you also run to the gym. If you really want to lose weight, you need both flight and fight. Flight from the bad stuff, fight for the good stuff. And here in verses 11 and 12, Paul is saying it's the same way in the Christian life. If we really want to wipe the smudges from our spiritual glasses, then we need both to flee from sin and to fight from godliness. Just think about it. If we really want to flee from greed, we don't just need to run away from hours and hours and hours of online shopping. We need to run toward generosity instead. 
If we really want to flee from bitterness and envy, we don't just need to run from rehearsing other people's sins in our minds. We need to run toward forgiveness. Instead, we need to run toward praying for the people who have hurt us instead. If we really want to stamp out false teaching in our own hearts, we don't just need to run away from the health and wealth gospel. We need to immerse ourselves in the true gospel of Jesus Christ instead. Paul is saying if you really want to make progress in the Christian life, don't just flee from sin. Run toward Jesus Christ instead. Flight and fight. But let's be honest, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes you and I struggle to flee from sin. Sometimes we have a hard time pursuing godliness instead. So is there any help in this fight? Well, thankfully, Paul gives us an encouragement. It's the second part of our passage, our second point this morning, flee and fight in the presence of God, in the presence of God, verses 13 and 14. Look back at your Bibles and look with me at verses 13 and 14. Paul continues, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. And of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, I charge you in the presence of God to flee and to fight. And, you know, sometimes we struggle in our Christian life because we begin to think no one else sees or understands our hard work. We get discouraged in our Christian life because we're working so hard at the office. We're really trying to honor God in our jobs, but we just keep getting passed over for those promotions. We get discouraged because we've been serving so faithfully at church. We've been cleaning up in the back corner and no one else even notices. No one else ever bothers to say thank you. We get discouraged because we've been praying for the salvation of our family or our friends for years and years and years, but they're still wandering away from the faith. And after a while, we can wonder whether we should just give up. After a while, we can begin to wonder whether the fight is even worth it. But dear friends, here in verse 13, Paul wipes a little more mud from our eyes. Here in verse 13, Paul tells us, even if no one else sees the spiritual sweat that you're putting in, God sees. God knows God understands perfectly. So in the presence of God himself, flee from sin and fight the good fight to the very end. Even when no one else sees, flee and fight in the presence of God who sees all. But the encouragement here is even better than that. Because the good news is God doesn't just see us, God also saves us. God saves us from our sins. Look at your Bibles and look at verse 13 again. 
I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and in the presence of Jesus Christ, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. First, Paul encourages us to flee and to fight by calling God the Father as a witness. But then Paul encourages us to flee and fight by calling Jesus Christ as a witness too. And here in verse 13, Paul especially reminds us of Jesus's testimony before Pontius Pilate. He tells us to flee and to fight because Jesus made the good confession before Pontius Pilate. And what's really interesting about this is that Jesus said almost nothing before Pontius Pilate. Jesus spoke almost no words before Pontius Pilate. So how did Jesus make the good confession? Just think about it. If Jesus barely opened his mouth when Pilate kept questioning him, how did Jesus bear testimony before Pilate? Well, friends, ultimately, Jesus made the good confession in his death. Jesus made the good confession before Pilate by dying to save sinners like you and me. Jesus made the good confession by refusing to save himself so that he could save sinners like us instead. You see, we do not flee and fight in order to earn our salvation. We do not have to try just a little bit harder to make God love us. We do not have to do just a little bit better before God will save us. No, verse 13 is reminding us that God already loves us. God already gave us life. And Christians, God already loved us so much that he sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to save us from our sins. Jesus Christ loved us so much that he made the good confession before Pontius Pilate by suffering and dying in our place. So let's be perfectly clear, we do not flee from sin in order to earn salvation. We do not fight the good fight in order to make God love us. No, Christians, God already loves us. God has already saved us if we trust in Jesus Christ, his son. And what Paul is saying in verse 13 is in the presence of God who gives you life. In the presence of Jesus Christ who died to save you, in response to God's marvelous mercy, fight the good fight to the very end. In the presence of God, your creator, and Jesus Christ, your savior, flee and fight. It makes us think of the words of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set out for us. And how can we do it? Hebrews 12 continues by looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Christians flee and fight in the presence of God who sees and flee and fight in the presence of Jesus Christ who sealed his confession with his blood, who sealed his confession by dying to set us free. But Paul still has one more thing to tell us. Paul still has one more way to wipe a little more mud from our eyes. It's the last part of our passage, our last point this morning. Christians flee and fight in the presence of God who deserves all our worship. Who deserves all our worship. Verses 15 and 16. Do any of you have friends who sing all the time? You may know the type of person that I'm talking about. They sing in the shower, they sing in the car, they walk around the house singing, they sing all day long. Look, I'm not very musical, you probably don't wanna hear me sing, but some of you probably know people like that. Maybe you even are a person like that. Because some people just can't help it. Some people just keep breaking out into song. Well, did you notice that at the very end of this passage, that's what Paul does? At the very end of this passage, Paul just breaks out into song. At the very end of this passage, Paul just starts singing. Look at your Bibles again and look at verse 14. I charge you to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. And then here's the song, verse 15. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one ever has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Do you hear it? Do you hear how Paul just suddenly breaks out into this song of praise? He's reminding us to flee from our sin. He's reminding us to fight the good fight of the faith. He's reminding us that we serve in the presence of God who gives life, that we serve in response to the mercy of Jesus Christ who saved us. And then suddenly, verse 15, he just starts singing. You see, as Paul thinks about who God is, as Paul begins to lift his eyes from the mud of this world to the glories of heaven, he can't help but sing. He can't help but say, God alone is worthy of our worship. God alone deserves all of our praise. And friends, I really wish we had more time to unpack this song of praise but this morning, I want us to see just one thing about it. Just one thing. This morning, I want us to see that the God of all creation, 
the God who deserves all of our worship, the God of verses 15 and 16, is the God who has made himself known to us in Jesus Christ, his only son. Paul says God is the blessed and only sovereign. God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but God, the Father, the King of this universe, has made himself known to us through Jesus Christ, his only Son. Paul says God alone has immortality in himself. God alone has life in himself. But God, the Father, has given eternal life to sinners like you and me through Jesus Christ, his only Son. Paul says God lives in unapproachable light. No one has seen him or can see him. You might remember in the Old Testament, Moses asked to look at the glory of God and God said, no one can see my glory and live. I am too holy, too bright, too glorious for sinful man to look at me and live. But brothers and sisters, the incredible news of Christianity is that the invisible God has become visible in Jesus Christ, his son. The unapproachable, holy, holy God of this universe has become approachable through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his son. And the good news for every single person who believes in Jesus Christ is that now you and I can behold the glory of God the Father in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, as Christians, we can approach the King of kings and Lord of lords, the blessed ruler of this universe, because we are washed clean in the blood of Jesus and covered in the spotless robes of his perfect righteousness. Brothers and sisters, that should make us say, God deserves all our praise. And you know what? That's the God who we've gathered to worship this morning. That's the God who we gather to worship every single Sunday morning. Look, we go through our lives and we get so much mud flung into our eyes. We go through our lives and we get stressed out by the rising grocery prices, by the rising cost of everything. We go through our lives and, and we get distracted by the stress at work or the stress at school or the stress in our relationships. We go through our lives and we spend all our time watching Netflix or playing video games or on a thousand other things that don't really matter in the end. We go through our lives and we get so distracted. But brothers and sisters, as we gather for worship every single Sunday, God is reminding us again who he is. God is reminding us again that he deserves all our praise. 
As one of my friends put it, as we gather for worship every single Sunday, God wipes a little mud from our eyes and God gives us new strength, new energy to go out from here in the week to come to flee from sin and to fight the good fight with new strength. So dear friends, write it down on your calendars. Do your best to be here on time. Invite your friends to come and join you at High Wycombe Church. Because when we gather for worship on Sunday, God is lifting our eyes toward heaven. God is reminding us that we all have something to sing about. God is wiping the mud from our eyes, arming us for the spiritual fight, and reminding us again that he alone deserves our worship. In fact, as we gather for worship every single Sunday, God is giving us a small little foretaste of heaven. God is giving us a small little foretaste of the day when the fight with sin will be completely over. God is giving us a small little foretaste of the day when we will behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God is giving us a small little foretaste of the day when we will gather with people from all nations to fall on our faces and to cry out together to the King of Kings, to the blessed and only Sovereign, to the Lord of Lords, who dwells in unapproachable light, who we can now see in Jesus Christ, be honor and glory and praise and power forever and ever and ever world without end. Amen. That's what we're looking forward to. And that's the little taste God gives us every Sunday. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, how can we thank you enough for your incredible mercy and grace in our lives? How can we thank you enough for Jesus Christ who died to save us? How can we thank you enough that you have given us something to sing about? So, Father, we simply pray that you would stamp these truths in our hearts and our minds, that you would give us new power and strength to flee from sin and to pursue godliness in the week to come. And we pray that we might share the news with all around us that you are worthy of all of our worship now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.